So sales back in 2010, either it took 30 minutes or it took three years. And for us, it was super important to educate the market because, uh, again, we were so early. So, Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. I'm Victor Vrede, CEO at Scribe, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Victor. Hi and thank you very much. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, uh, really good. How are you? I'm great. It's Friday and I'm now getting the honor to talk with you. And then let's jump into it, Victor. The first question always, what does your company, Scribe, do? Please do your elevator pitch. Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, today we help companies to uh, improve uh, their customer journeys and therefore enable them uh, to make more business and spend more time on things that matter for them. So in essence, uh, we do this by providing workflow services for electronic signatures and authentication. And I think uh, as to uh, people listening to this podcast, our business model is a subscription-based business where the majority of uh, revenue comes from fixed license fees, uh, but also partly from value-added services. And except Sweden, because you're huge in Sweden, uh, which are some of the bigger markets from your end? Uh, we are focused in general is uh, Europe, uh, but if we try to look on, uh, so we work with most countries in or our customers in most countries in Europe, but uh, maybe most excitingly is uh, the fact that we help sell every third new car in the UK. Congratulations. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's fun to uh, really, to really, I would say, really make a difference in, in a process or for one type of industry. And then we move on to why Scribe? How did you end up there? Yes, it's, uh, uh, the story dates back, what is it now, 13 years, I think, 12 years. Uh, I was studying at uh, Stockholm School of Economics. Uh, there was an entrepreneurship uh, class. I was standing in front of the class presenting my idea about the mobile mall. So combining a lot of stores into one application with one checkout. Uh, but there was this guy in the audience who was laughing throughout my whole presentation. And uh, very unlike myself, I would say, I went to him because I didn't know him. So I went to him after class and asked what his problem was. Uh, quite angry. Uh, and he said, no, no, no. There was a girl sitting next to me who had a similar, similar idea as yours. Uh, and I said to him, yeah, but your idea about this uh, bullshit bingo game uh, wasn't that impressive. But then he said, no, 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 I know, but I have, I have another idea. And then he explained, ascribed to me. And the idea was just so brilliant. So I couldn't sleep uh, during the night about sending contracts electronically. And there was two things I, I got stuck on. Uh, one thing was the inevitable fact of people that had to move from paper to digital. And secondly, I would say it's the, at that time, I think 2010, you were talking about finding 
flywheels or, or finding viral loops. And I think at that time, Dropbox was the key where you or the the one to look at where you to get more file space or stores storage you shared uh, with people you know to get an extra 25 megabytes of uh, disk space uh, and with scribe it's, it's with scribe it was just uh, built in like you were sending contracts to other uh, people so the flywheel or, or the viral loop was just built into the core of the service so i emailed lucas uh, in the middle of the night uh, and he answered back seven in the morning and said uh, we started three weeks ago you should just jump on and i did and, uh, and that's the story thank you for sharing and um, yeah we, we move on to challenges i want to know now if we dive dive to the business what are your and or your uh, scribe's biggest challenge right now that you need to tackle uh, first, I would say, uh, being uh, almost winter, is keeping my kids at school and preschool to not be <laughs> sick or at home. Uh, but uh, looking to uh, looking to scribe, I wouldn't say the it, it maybe not the biggest challenges, but I would say the the most important uh, most important stuff for us right now is finding ways to increase uh, increase efficiency, to have the same amount of resources but produce. Uh, more meaning or work or more and faster meaning that uh, finding ways to do more uh, with less uh, and yeah i think that's the uh, top uh, challenge currently what are you were going to solutions to 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 make you yourself efficient no so i think uh, uh, i would say starting from the top uh, is of course uh, increasing clarity i would say uh, making sure that people throughout the organization knows uh, the priorities that we have and, and how to prioritize themselves and to choose between A or B. Uh, because if we don't have unlimited time, we should focus on, on doing the right things. I would say starting from finding clarity and uh, both in, in, in strategy and in execution. And secondly, is to, to find the bottlenecks and uh, where stuff today takes too much time. Do we put too much effort on one part of, of our customers or one part of our service is not working efficiently. And then if those bottlenecks are solved by systems, yes, that's great. Or if it's solved by new processes or if it's just solved by purely not doing uh, stuff, I would say. Are you, are you like working with OKRs or something similar? Yes, so we built our own, not our own framework around it, but we use, we're using OKR as the OKRs system of it as the foundation uh, so we work with uh, let's say we've been working this year with three key objectives for the company as a whole and then on a quarterly or almost tertial basis we are breaking it down for every team and every department and then down to each and every individual but of course the commercial team has very clear uh, commercial targets that are not really super OKR driven. Thank you, Victor, uh, for telling us about uh, your challenge right now and one layer deeper there, because I don't want to be too high level. I always want to find some reasoning and why behind it. And um, now I want to talk about leadership. What is the worst thing about being a leader, according to you? Uh, worst, uh, worst thing. The, 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 <laughs> the question itself is, is a bit hard because uh, for me, uh, taking responsibility and, and pushing forward is is just I would say part of my nature. So I so I think it's hard to 
to see the worst thing because I wouldn't really want to have it uh, another way. But uh, being a leader, in my opinion, is also about leading and it's not necessarily connected to a a title or being the CEO. And and for myself, I I don't have any particular prestige in titles. It's more about making impact and driving change. So what's then the worst thing connected to that? Uh, maybe it's because uh, you can't blame. You can't blame anyone else but yourself. Because uh, in the end, you're always responsible. It's always your responsibility uh, if stuff goes right or wrong, even uh, directly or indirectly. Uh, so maybe that's, uh, that's the worst thing, but it's also, uh, could also view that as a good thing. Another guest I interviewed, um, he said, partly similar like this, but he framed it like, that you are naked, nowhere to hide. Yes. And, and why would would you say if we go one lady deeper? Is that just human nature that that you don't have something to blame? That we na- we naturally want to blame something else? Would you say that is the human nature, and that's why it's challenging? No, I think it's uh, it it it's much related to mindset. Uh, I think I've, I think I've told a lot of people that one of my favorites favorite books are called extreme ownership and maybe you're not into uh, the u.s army and and such it's a very american book but but the essence of it is that if you're always if you always take responsibility for your own uh, and almost others actions um i think life will be just much easier Uh, and so so in my mind it's it's a lot about the setting mindset i would say Great input. And then we can leave this this anger then and go to, because it seems like you think it's a lot of great things about being a leader. So what what things are you liking the most about being a leader? It's it's the same thing. So so making it, mostly being able to make an impact. I think if I, if I lose the opportunity to make an impact, uh, I would also lose motivation and, and therefore uh, I would do a worse, worse job. Seeing that happen in, uh, I actually left Scribe end of 2015. Uh, did that uh, uh, partially because I uh, lost a little bit of uh, motivation of making change. Uh, then took a job as a CFO for another company, uh, an ad tech business for two years. Uh, also at the end of that term as well, I thought that I've done what I could to drive change and make an impact. And then Scribe called and say, time to come back. And, and it was. So uh, so I would say it's uh, it's a lot about making sure that I can actually make a difference of both my own surrounding and, and others. And making a difference and impact, is that something that's been with you since you were a child, since you were a teenager? Or is that something when you started work you have felt... No, I think it's 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 uh, it's in the core of, of of myself. I always had a strong, let's call it a strong will, uh, and wanting to win, and that will, together with always again uh, perform, uh, has led I think to a behavior of, of just pushing forward. So I've always been in my handball teams. I've been team captain, team captain, and 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 driving, just making sure that we get to our goal. I'm very the goal uh, and, and numbers driven from a personal perspective. Good qualities for a CEO, I would say. Now, now we're going to personally the most interesting question regarding leadership, and this is here where I really want to fish and maybe copy. That is one of the reasons why I have this podcast. So I can learn from better CEOs than myself. So, 
what would you say or what have people around you told you, Victor, are your core strengths as a leader? One, two, three things. Yeah, so, so it's good we had an exercise on this uh, yesterday <laughs> amongst the uh, management team at Scribe. We did some uh, love bombing. Uh, but I would say, uh, I think from my own perspective, I don't would you say if you call it a mindset or a strategy or, or just be built into myself, I really believe in uh, that you should care for your uh, for your colleagues and for your friends, uh, and that uh, having an empathic leadership uh, gives the best uh, result long term, at least according to me. So I think uh, uh, from from that perspective and a lot about leading. Uh, leading by example has been has been how I've done it since since forever. Try to show how at least I would act, and then expect others to act similar, uh, and and show that you can actually do stuff to make stuff happen. And uh, I would say growing that has also been a challenge for me because growing from to twenty to thirty people to two hundred people, it's and then being on in several countries and several locations. It's hard to lead by example because you don't see people every day, and then you were working from home over Zoom. So I think, from my own perspective, where I'm maybe not are yet, but it's it's a lot about I would say taking the next step in both communicating clarity again in in strategy, our strategic direction, and and communication. But my own uh, tips and and tricks for a great leadership is to be uh, a caring uh, caring leader. I would say. And is that something that has been very natural for you? That, that did you always have been with you? That is your like uh, default mode, or is that something uh, a strength you need to develop and nurture and grow? Which which way would you say? It's been a, a part of me, but I think when I learn more about myself and my style of leadership, it's also created ways of more ways of working for me, and 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 also. I think help. I have helped myself in in growing in that area as well, and how to grow. Because because again, we do, we discussed internally on uh, what's actually caring. Caring is not being too nice. Uh, you can be nice, but uh, but being nice and and being too nice are are different things. Because being too nice is being nice. Yeah, that is hurt. That is uh, hurting indirectly or directly people. Yes. So thank you so much, Victor, for great insights. It's good for me that I cut my podcast. I will hear this one or twice or three times more uh, because really juicy input. And we move on to a topic of your choice. So this means that I will sip it now and let you talk for a couple of minutes regarding something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So now it's time for a topic of Victor's choice. Yes. So, so I would say something I'm nerdy about. Uh, maybe to maybe to say that I'm. It, it's a lot of things, but let's let's combine them and say uh, that it's related to family. I'm very uh, nerdy together with my family and with my uh, two kids. I have a son and a daughter that's uh, three and six, and and a wife. And uh, together we. Uh, exercise and do a lot of uh, a lot of handball as well, but a lot of training. Uh, we build a lot of Lego. Uh, me and my kids, but also me and my wife. Uh, we do a lot of painting, uh, painting uh, pictures, 
Uh, we are on uh, video, so I could show you the paintings later on. Uh, but then, uh, but then also a big interest in in wine. So uh, the family doing um, stuff with the family and, and drinking wine are the, the the three things that I'm a bit nerdy about. I would say it sounds like you are very nerdy about it, and I think this is a tremendous topic to be nerdy and passionate about. <laughs> Glad to hear that. You 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 are you are a true true from family person then. Amazing to hear. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I go to my uh, mom and dad every Friday almost uh, to eat dinner. So I'm uh, and I live 800 meters from there. So yes, I'm very <laughs> very close to my family. Amazing. Thank you for sharing, Victor. And uh, we move on to another interesting segment of this podcast, and this is. External questions, letting the community actually get direct line to you, the guest. So I, I will have two questions now straight in a row because they are they're quite, uh, it, it's good. They are red thread con- from the first to the second one. So we start with the first and this is from Cecilia Spanheden at Vobbis. And this is her question. Hi, Victor. We ourselves were early adapters of e-signing. At that time, we often refused to use e-signature because of the counterpart required a physical document with ink. How did you speed up your service and get the market to mature? Yes, it's been a challenge. Uh, So we started off in 2010. uh, And at that time, uh, we usually say that the ones who understood the value of, of what uh, our proposal was, uh, really understood and got uh, immediately into the service and improved their own workflows. So sales back in 2010, either it took 30 minutes or it took three years. And uh, for us, it was super important to um, educate the market because, uh, again, we were so early. So it we started to give out books together with lawyers. So there's a book on electronic signatures that we've done together with Nordstedt's Uh We started to talk to each and every lawyer, had recorded videos with lawyers. We were out uh, explaining the market. We were together with one of our customers, uh, DNB. We changed uh, the law in Norway in order to make the uh, process simpler for electronic signatures. So we've been really bashing down walls kicking up doors uh, in order to get our, get people to understand there's, there's actually no difference between a, a paper and the digital process rather than the digital process is much better. And uh, both when it comes to security and especially when it comes to efficiency. So I would say that uh, we've done a lot, uh, but there's still issues. I was in a call two weeks ago with a Swedish um, municipality or similar uh, and my head almost explode because they're making life they're they're making life harder for themselves uh, and they're not obliged by law so i think there are still a lot of room for improvement in in these areas it's still early days even though we're 12 years in how many times if you just give a rough number have you felt that your head is going to explore when you change a market like you actually were very early to do I would say in the first three or four years, it was uh, in every meeting. 
uh, we were fighting lawyers in, in every meeting trying to explain the difference between electronic signatures and wet signatures. Uh, but I would say recently, it's uh, not as often. The most interesting part for me is in the beginning. Is, so you, you mean almost every meeting, the first three plus years was like knocking on the wall. Yeah, I would say yes, even even longer. Uh, wow. Like it was, it was not about talking about the values. It was first convincing them that it was even possible. So we made all of these analogies and, and had the lawyers saying that in Denmark, and tried to compare it, in Denmark, they were saying that when the bull, what do you call it, the bull pin or bull ball pen, the, 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 the ink pen, when it came, the tip was round and the, they were question, can you really sign documents with this type of pen and not this feather pen? Uh, which was also an issue. So, uh, like, it's it's uh, it's always been a struggle of making change in the market. And w- why I love this question and your answer here is because I am doing this myself. Uh, you, you know my company, VAM, video. I can refer to what you say. Either it's a 30-minute meeting or it's not three years. VAM has not been around for three years, but two two years, three years long. So thank yes. you, Victor, for a great answer here, Cecilia. I hope you are happy. And I know, Cecilia, that you had a follow-on question. But you won't be able to to tell that because it's time for the next question. And that is actually almost like you had for follow-up. So now we move on to second external question. And this is from Abel Alassar at Markenture. And this is his question. Hi, Victor. There are many different SaaS companies in e-signing in particular. How have you at Scribe succeeded so well despite the competition? And what does Scribe do to stand out and win more customers? Uh, yes, uh, I think in a market, uh, especially in the market in the market we're in, uh, I think it's a it's a fair and, and valid question. Just wanted to start off with saying the market for electronic signature is huge, uh, in the sense that it's for any company in the world. It's for several departments in each and every company, and it's it's almost like the, the life blood lifeblood on how you do business and how you get to an agreement. So, so the market is huge and there are room for several players. And I think that's, that's what happened in, in, in Sweden. We started off very early. We had our, our focus, we had our focus and our delivery. And, and there was other people who saw opportunities in, in the same market or, or tw- twists of the same market. And I would say from a global perspective, Sweden has a, a couple of the best uh, providers uh, within this space. Uh, so we should be we should be proud about that. So uh, wow, what have we have at Scribe done? So since in Sweden in particular, we've been very early with electronic IDs. So bank IDs widely accepted and used by almost every person in Sweden. And and we quickly combined an electronic signature with an electronic ID, which made us extra successful within the market of, let's say, medium to high risk contract that are standardized and high volume. And going into that niche, so for us to, to stay uh, competitive is to focus on, on, on our niche and our industries. So again, in the early earlier in this talk, I said that we're help selling every third car in the UK and, and probably in Sweden, we do much more. So we are focusing in on, on what we do best Therefore, we are able to be successful, even though we have customers in, in most industries and in a lot of, of countries. I would say if you talk about where we have the most chance to win or most right to win, it's within this industry, banking and financial services, automotive and telco industry. Again, industries 
where you have medium to high risk contracts uh, from a standardized process. So I think that's what we've done in order to uh, grow faster. Albert, thank you for your question. And Victor, once again, thank you for the answer. We are moving on and entering the field of KPIs. So now I want to know, Victor, which top KPIs for you and on a company level are the most important to you? Please take three to five and give me the juicy parts with the KPI. What are, what are you measuring the most? So I would say it, it, it's, of course, easier to start from, from the business-related uh, ones. And I think, uh, especially in, in times of these, uh, what we're looking at is, it's again, it, it's a lot of things, and of course, more than this, and if you break them down, but we start with, with the rule of 40 in order to look on, on revenue growth and, and EBITDA margin and how they uh, correlate or, or work together. But looking on that and then taking it one step uh, below, of course, net ARR. So the uh, combining the, the gross ARR, so how much more we sell uh, minus the churn uh, is something that is uh, a lot of our, let's say, North Star metric and what we look at uh, the most. But then combining that and what, what I also mentioned in the beginning about efficiency, we look a lot on, on sales efficiency KPIs like uh, month to recover uh, customer acquisition cost in order to decrease that to both uh, grow faster and grow uh, efficiently. So that I would say is, is our three most used uh, commercial or, or business oriented KPIs. You said rule of 40 and net ARR. And then you said monthly recovery. Month uh, to recover customer acquisition cost. So how many, uh, if, how many, if we get in a customer, how much did we pay uh, to get that customer? And, and therefore how, how fast will we recover that spend? Yeah, I like that one, nice. And do you have anything uh, on, on like the, the pro product angle? Uh, up, <laughs> up time. <laughs> I, we are delivering. Uh, we are delivering kind of crucial services. We usually say that even though we're small, we're we're the keystone uh, in a bigger process. So for us, being down uh, means that people can't do business. So uh, it's put a lot of effort and time in making sure that the service stay up. So uptime is is of course one. Uh, for, let's if you look on a. Product development perspective, uh, we mostly look at at roadmap deliveries. If we deliver on our set uh, delivery dates, some KPIs I hear a lot, but this, uh, yeah, these were some new angles how you framed it. So yeah, I think you explained also. No, I, I don't need to fish fish deeper here uh, for for right now. I, I just yeah, we we are entering the roundup here now, and this means we only have a couple of questions left, and the key listeners that have been with me now for this is still a quite new podcast but they know what's coming up now in the roundup first question here is always my vam oriented question i'm fishing for data points regarding building the best sales tool in the world with the core video so victor what would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach to you how would you like to get approached from a salesperson and them to get you into a meeting you don't know them and haven't heard or just know a little bit about their company. Good question. I think the, there is a challenge here uh, in general about cold outreach is, is that uh, it's, I would say it's next to impossible uh, to uh, get 
a meeting from a cold outreach. Uh, and the reason are because in order for cold outreach to hit, at least me, there's so many things that needs to be right. Uh, but I think the main thing is that uh, it needs to be the right timing. And also looking on, on, on how myself buy, I usually know my problem and then starting to look on solution for the problems. Meaning that I need to have a problem that I haven't started being looking for a, a challenge for yet and then get a cold outreach that are also written in a way that it feels that it's personal and feels that it's, it's directed and, and thought through, not just uh, calling for a meeting to have a meeting. Uh, there are uh, no unconditional meetings. All meetings are con conditional. Uh, but, uh, but I would say in, in that sense, that happened once last year or this year. It's happened once. We had an issue, got an email, it hit right to the nail. It was great. It was personal. But it ended up us still not buying <laughs> that service. So I would say it's, it's hard. But in, but in order to break through, and I would say finding partnerships, uh, I would say it's much simpler if you do a cold outreach where we both can benefit. So it needs to be personal and thought through. If it's just a generic outreach about us, acquire, uh, us buying more engineers, uh, I'll probably just archive it directly. But I read all emails, though, so it's, uh, I'll probably read it if you send it. And would you say, if I get your interest with my text pitch and you feel like, hmm, would a video help or hurt if I get you to stop and you see some sort of relevance, a personalized video? It would help. It would, it would definitely help. Uh, because it's, it's easier to also understand that it's not, uh, let's call it, it's not a part of a, a drip campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a part of a bigger scheme uh, of just getting people interested. I would say yes, it would it would have and it also would say that you at least spend time in trying to uh, get my attention. And it's again, I think it's it's another person who really really uh, went to the great length of getting into a meeting and at the fourth or fifth time uh, we actually got into a meeting. But uh, so I, yeah, it it works. And video was one of the attempts that he used. Oh, yeah, yeah. And kudos, kudos to the salespeople who don't give up too easy as long as they bring good value. Yep. Thank you, Victor, for great data points here. And uh, if you would give yourself, when you were a younger leader, the one to three top things to think of that you didn't know for a couple of years ago, but you now know, what would you tell yourself? hard since it's always an evolution what we always uh, at least say at Scribe and I think I've, I've also heard in other podcasts is that you need to grow as fast as the company grows uh, yourself as an individual and and then if I could uh, leapfrog myself by giving myself ideas from now uh, it would be to create more structure uh, before you put a lot of oil or gas on the growth engine because uh, uh, you're going to see great benefits from it. And then secondly is hire people that uh, also hire people that done it before. And even if it costs a bit more uh, than you are willing to pay, it's going to pay out. So uh, do that as well. So I would say those two things. I would say uh, as... I got it to three things if I don't uh, uh, super uh, super crazy and I, and I what I write down to myself is that yeah. you need to grow yourself as fast as your company grow yes and then I got 
create good structure before you put too much gas in the tank and really hit the gas. Yes. And then I put hire people who has done it before. It's cheaper than you think. Yes, agreed. That's a perfect way of summarizing it. I will steal that. You can send it to me and I can reuse it. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're truly running up. So we have only two things left. And this second last question is a quick one. I'm just fishing for other guests here that you want to listen to. So uh, which two B2B, because this podcast is a B2B sauce niche, which other two B2B socios are you inspired by? Or companies are you inspired by and would like to actually, hmm, that person could be interesting to listen to? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to figure. I don't have any people I what do you call it, idolize. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and I try to catch. No, not idolize. Yes, yes, thinking value, not not idols. Like so, I, I would say, but I, I try to catch small bits and pieces from different experts. But I'm really impressed. I would say, and I think haven't been on your pod is Daniel Vikberg at Upsets. Uh, mainly because his mindset of running a business uh, which has always been a uh, profitable growth and i would say in the times of uh, in the current times i would say it's more important uh, than ever no i haven't have him and i'm uh, yeah we chase him soon again in january so thank you that, then i would say that victor do you have one more name for me or should we stop there i will stop there we stop there and entering the very last question and here i'm hoping and put my fingers crossed for a big bold statement because victor i want to know where will scribe be in five years so i would say uh, what we want to do is that we want to continue the uh, we want to continue the journey that we are on today uh, in delivering an ecosystem of trust and i would say in five years uh, we will be a keystone in a world uh, where every company delivers best-in-class customer journeys and we will do that within our niche of medium to high-risk uh, customer interactions. And can you give me s- some sort of number in terms of ARR so, so like we can put some hope to the Swedish ecosystem? Let's say we be big and bold. Let's be at a billion in ARR. Yes. Victor, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. And to you who has been listening to Victor and me, I just want to say now when we are wrapping up, Press the subscription button if you like what you heard and tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Victor in B2B Socios. And Victor, a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.